Welcome to the realm of magic and mystery, classic horror and sci-fi. You are now entering the House of the Unusual podcast with your hosts, Eddie and Joe. Welcome, everyone. I am your host, Joe Pavlansky, pop culture historian, writer for Scary Monsters magazine, and curator of the Crypt of Classics. Co-hosting, as always, is the maestro of mail-order mysteries and owner of HouseOfTheUnusual.com, the one, the only, the adventurous, the intrepid, Eddie Guevara. Eddie, my man, what's going on tonight? How are you, Joe? A lot is going on, Joe. I've been doing a lot of thinking. How are you? How's everything great down there? Yeah, not too bad. Can't complain over here in Ohio. We've we've had beautiful weather, and it's it's like fall started back over again. So what's, what's on your mind tonight, Eddie? Well, I'll tell you what, the weather here has been in the 70s for most of the week, which is amazing for this time of year, making October and the fall season. October's passed, of course, but we still have October weather. Uh, Joe, you know what? I was thinking with all this stuff going on really quick, uh, with the coronavirus and all the people inside, you know, we've all had time to think. And I was reminiscing back as to when I was young, as to what made me want to order stuff from comic book, what was it that captured my imagination growing up and what made me who I am today and I think most of the stuff was when we go back in the late 60s early 70s okay uh, I grew up in Manhattan and Manhattan most let's say I think every town in the United States on or most most classrooms in the United States for young kids you had either a popular crowd or one person popular or one person that was Uh, a bully. Now, if you were not one of those bullies, a lot of times comic books, especially the ads that offer monsters that were bigger than life, compensated for your fear. (laughs) And you would order that stuff thinking, hey, you know what? And a good one is, is say, for example, the seven-foot monster ghost. With the seven-foot monster ghost in the ad, it read that it was bigger than life, seven feet tall, obeys your commands, and watching movies like, you know, or shows like you know, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein and stuff where Dracula says to the Frankenstein monster, come, come. It put in the brain of a young child that was reading Richie Rich comic books like myself that was already living a life in his mind that was technically a fiction. Um, you know, it would help me think that by me ordering several of these items that were bigger than life, it would somehow give me some control over the outcome of much, much of my life experiences. Such if I came across a bully or something, you know, I, by me having my seven foot, you know, monster ghost, I could dominate the the situation. Um, but basically, the reason I was saying that is because I was reminiscing again uh, throughout the week about all those days and times. And I said to myself, you know, that's exactly why so many people that come to the House of the Unusual, so many people that write in to me and tell me those similar stories as to why their memory is brought back to when they were kids and they love all this stuff and they love all the novelties and all the the magic and stuff. It's because it it always promises you something that in real life you're not achieving, such as it gives you a more manliness, like when you buy those mail order courses that it says you will become strong and everybody's going to like you, all the girls are going to gravitate to you because of your newfound strength. 
Yeah, you, you don't want to be the the kid on the beach that gets the the, the sand, sand kicked on. Yeah, you want to be the one that does the <laughs> kicking of the sand. But the funny thing is that all those ads actually did that. They took the era, the time living in the seventies that I was living in, and I'm saying I because I am from there. But uh, anybody who's my age is obviously from the seventies. But anybody growing up in either rural America or big cities like New York and stuff. It was just different. Classrooms were different. Like I said, a good example is when you watch movies like Fast Time at Richmond High. It was very like that in the 70s, you know? You had the popular crowd and you had the everyday crowd that was not popular. And then you had the kid that was a bully. And I think every classroom had one type of bully or another. Um, well, you know, there's all... It was there's very all yeah, there's always been, you know, forms of throughout history. I mean, going back centuries, there's always been forms of escapism for one reason or another. And I think that, you know, when we're young and, you know, growing up in, you know, 1970s, 80s and 90s, you, you know, you were always, you know, looking for you always, you know, most of the time felt like you didn't, you know, fit in and you were still growing, your brain was still growing. And you were trying to find your your path in life. So while you were trying to find that, if things weren't, you know, going the way that you wanted, like they usually don't, you know, you, you kind of look for that form of, you know, escapism and you, you ended up daydreaming in in class a lot or doodling on your, your notepad. Or when you went home, you know, you read comic books, watched, you know, horror or sci-fi movies. And, you know, it was a way to, to get you away from the, the stuff that you want, didn't want to be a part of at school you know, maybe stuff that was going on at home or just a, a break from, you know, everything that was going on in your life. Because, you know, even though as you're a kid, you know, you still have a lot, a lot of pressure, you know, you have the pressure of trying to be popular at school, you have the pressure of getting good grades, of um, doing what your, your adults say, uh, being good at sports, so you have all that pressure. So really, like, you know, how you're talking the mail order stuff, and, um comic books and monster movies and all that it was a it was a way to just to to get out of this reality and enter a new reality where you did have um some type of control over it you know you could read those comic books and put yourself into into that story and you could stop and start that story whenever you want so it did add a a kind of control to a you know your life whereas a a young child maybe you're 10 you know eight nine ten years old where you didn't have any control. So it, it, it filled in that, that gap for you, I guess. Well, you know what? Let's let, if you really think about it, everything from Superman comic books to Batman to any superhero, I think the reason they became popular in their time when they create, they were created even today is because it lets a person live within their own mindset some type of adventure that's not real. You know, it's kind of like it, it, it gravitates to where you say, for example, Superman makes you feel like you go into a movie and you're like looking at Superman and stuff and inside your brain, you're playing in the role that that'd be me. You know what I'm saying? A lot of right. people, not a lot. I think basically all us humans as a whole, somehow one, one way or another, uh, always want to be popular, always want to be. And that's why, 
mail order does so well, especially with those people that are selling you books on how to get rich and how to become pop. The first thing they always show you, especially those multi-level marketing companies, is they'll bring them a Porsche, Mercedes-Benz, and then they'll tell you how this guy who is a doctor gave up his doctorate and just to do this multi-level marketing, whatever. But it's always about you. You want to be popular. You want to be famous. You want to be liked. And that is where mail order, especially in the 70s, where there was no rules from the Federal Trades Commission or anything, uh, where they just ripped off the heck out of kids because kids already have a wild imagination, especially when they're reading books like Richie Rich. I mean, I used to read Richie Rich, and in my mind, as I was reading the book, it was like actually watching a movie. It, it became somehow alive to me. And I was like in that storyline. Um, and then we you know comic books kind of did the same thing for me when I was, you know, growing up in the eighties and also, you know, a lot of the eighties toys like GI Joe and He-Man, you know, cause you, you look at comic books and every superhero and every villain in the comic book is, is an outcast of some sort, you know, Going all the way back to Superman, you know, Superman, you know, his origin story is that of an outcast, you know, of an alien coming to a planet and he has these powers and he's different than all these kids, yet he's trying to fit in and he's trying to find his way. And then you could fast forward that to the X-Men, you know, you have a group of mutants who were, you know, they're outcasts from society and they're trying to, to find their own way. So, you know, I think a lot of kids, you know, really gravitated to these superheroes and they seen themselves in these characters and they seen that how these characters were were put in different situations and the hardships that they went through and they were able able to thrive and survive and do good things and i think that resonated a lot with um with kids and i think it you know to some extent that it, it still does you know i know comic books and mail order stuff is not as popular today as it was you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, and even, you know, going into the 90s. But, you know, that was just, a, it was a huge part of growing up well, in, in that, that time frame, whether, whether people realize well, it or not. Well, here's the thing, when you're saying it's, well, here it's it's alive today, even in larger uh, portions that it was back then. But what they did is, when the FTC started cracking down on on, you know, magazines and comic books and ads that were taking advantage of kids, they turned their weapons over to adults and they then they started taking advantage of the adults. And here's, here's the thing, like, for example, back, I remember in the mid-90s or early 80s, they had a thing called the gut buster. It was like this spring mechanism that was just a spring with like a handlebar. And it looked like a bicycle handlebar. You put your feet through it and then you would do sit-ups with it, you know? Oh, I yeah, remember they, they those. They sold yeah. millions. And then they had the Ginzu knife, where you see the guy slicing. And then they had the other thing called DD7, which was like a toothpaste tube. And I mean, they they still came on board and, and robbed millions. Because oh, yeah. the thing is that what mail order does is it always promises you something magical, something bigger than life, something that's going to let you accomplish what the ordinary can't. And, and, you, and you know what's you know what's funny about that is that when we were kids, you were always disappointed. But now looking back as an adult, were you really disappointed, 
or you know, or do you have fond memories of that? Well, so as was an that... adult, like I said, as an adult, and that's why so many thousands of collectors uh, are trying to buy their yeah, stuff back. To, they're <laughs> telling me that you know, thank you for the the disillusionment that I offered them. That that's what they had as a kid, and they wanted to bring back their childhood. But you know what, though, you... I'll answer that question in another way. Me myself, did I ever feel that I was being ripped off? I don't think I ever comprehended what comprehended the word what ripoff really was. Was I disillusioned? I gotta be honest, I don't even really think I might have been like, huh, what is this? But I was kind of happy with the product and somehow my feeble brain would accept it and, and treasure it, right? That's the way I was. I can't talk specifically for everybody because I'm sure some people did get mad and they were a totally different breed of person, you know. But you know one thing I'm going to tell you, though? What better? I mean, if you look look at the ad, for example, for Monster Size Monsters, it says, imagine your friends walking into your room and seeing this life monster, bigger than life Frankenstein. And then they go to tell you how powerful it was. The creature that overtook the world, whatever it's, I think the ad, um, I don't have the ad in front of me right now, but it says, um, Bigger than life, Frankenstein, the creature created by an evil genius who who terrorized the world. So you're like, wow, man, I'm getting this monster. I'm going to put this monster in my room. Imagine how proud I will be to own this bigger than life monster. And all my friends would either love me or be afraid of me. You, you follow me? <laughs> You know why I'm telling yeah, you? Oh, yeah. That was me. When I was a kid and I read that, I... that was me. When I when I bought the seven foot monster ghost, I imagined control. I imagined power. And I thought exactly what I just said. I gravitated to the ad like a hawk. I wanted it more than, than the sun to come up. And when I got the item, I went, huh? But somehow I felt that the item was still worth the dollar. In fact, I didn't think I was being ripped off. I thought that the other one from the Melton Company was going to be better because I had a better image. I still got sold (laughs) into the ad. And that is why so many people buy this stuff, why so many people collect this stuff. And Joe, one thing I will tell you too, when you go to conventions, and that's another topic that we... I wanted to talk about, and you wanted to talk about conventions. When you go to these conventions, the sheer number of people that show up, all like-minded, all collectors, where you see in two or three days over one to 200,000 people attend, it tells you that everybody somehow wants to reminisce on those beautiful days when mail order transformed our lives and made us who we are today. Well, that's the thing, you know, as adults, we, you know, we're every day we're going and dealing with, you know, adulting and, you know, in work and kids and, you know, bills and everything else. So, you know, we're, we're as adults now, we're looking for that form of escapism that helped us when we were kids. So we're gravitating, you know, back towards that. Now I remember being, uh, had to been maybe, 10, 11, 12 years old, somewhere around there. And I was, I was a huge GI, I I loved my GI Joe toys. And I remember 
being up in, you know, we had a, a Cape Cod house and I had all my, my toys in the attic and my dad telling me, are you going to play with these toys forever? And I said, well, at least till I'm 18. And I, you know, I, I go in the military or, you know, go to college or something. And he says, no, nah, he goes, you'll be done with it soon. And I remember, you know, telling him, no, no, I'm, I'm playing with these toys until I'm 18. And then, you know, eventually as I got older, it started, you know, weaning back, you know, I had, you know, different interests and all that, you know, sports, girls, everything else. But then, you know, when I, I went into the military at 17 and um, somewhere around when I think I was about 20 or 21, I met, you know, one of my buddies there. He was about the same age as I was at the time. And he was a big G.I. Joe collector. So when we were down in North Carolina, we were, you know, we would hit the flea markets and all that and find these old G.I. Joe toys that brought us back to our childhood. And it was a form of escapism. And that kind of like reignited my my love and passion for the toys. And, you know, still to this day, you know, fast forward 20 years or so, you know, I, I'm still that huge collector of G.I. Joe's and other stuff. And I, and I still look for them because it is that form of escapism, you know, for, you know, whether it be three minutes or an hour that I'm, you know, cleaning the toys or, you know, doing whatever with them, you know, I'm, I'm transported to this, you know, maybe an alternate reality of back when I'm a, a child or to this other reality of, you know, you know, monster world or GI Joe world or He-Man world or, or something. And just for, for that little bit, you know, little bit of time, you know, there is no bills, there is no work, there's no, no nothing, but just that, that sheer joy. And I think a lot of people today are still looking for that. And, and I, I do believe that there's some people out there that are, you know, that they're so caught up in the adult world that they are forgetting that there's still a child within them that is yearning for them to go back, you know, it, whether it's an hour a week or, you know, a few times a week or just something, just it's yearning to go back to that time when everything was simpler and they were just having a good time and there, and it was very carefree. And and I think mail order comic books, toys, you know, did that for a lot of people. And I, I, I still see that, you know, to some extent today. And I, I do see some people that just, you know, they refuse to, to grab onto that side of them and they kind of, you know, still push it away. I don't know if it's, you know, because of a sense of pride or, or they are afraid to go back to that, that time and be caught up in it. You know, I, I don't really know what it, what the answer is to that. Well, you see, especially with today, here we have a situation or one of the situations I've seen. I'm 56, you're 42, correct? Or 43, I'm sorry. 40. I didn't mean to give an extra two years <laughs> of you there, but anyway. Yeah, I don't need that. I'll give an years. example. Here's Dave, I'll take Dave Harvest that as an example on you. When I first met you guys, well, I met you not too long ago, but when I first met Dave, he was in his early 20s. Him and Kirk and stuff have just encountered in their life the comic book era. They saw the ads. They were growing in, in the early 80s, I guess, whatever. And as they were growing, they are like, wow, this stuff is cool in comic books. Hey, Dad, I want to order this. And then guess what? They order and the company was out of business and they would get a letter saying the company is no longer in business. So they always yearn for the products they never had. So they create a desire on a generation which is in their 40s today of like, man, that was such a cool time. I wish I had those items. And I, I saw that in David. When I first met David, the amount of times he would call me 
and pick my brain and we go over all those products. And it was like David was an, a guy in his 60s living in a in the brain of a 20 plus year old kid because he was so thrilled by hearing of those items like Kirk was, which he said in the book, Mail Order Mystery, I think in the introduction he does it or in his blog, he talks about when he saw that stuff, he just he was just born a little bit after the era, but he always yearned to have those items that I myself lived through. So, and you know, and I think that's why conventions exactly. are so popular, is that because you know it, it's a great place to you know find those items you're looking for, but it's also a time where you don't have to worry about anything else. But you're you're like a kid again. You get to you you know people dress up, or you get to see people dressed up. There's the cosplay. There's just meeting with like-minded people, and there's you know, no other worries about people judging you because everybody's there, you know, doing their own thing and they're, you know, they're just enjoying their time. It's, it's really like you're, you're a kid again, but you're around, you know, your, your own, you know, your, your own well, group. And I, I think that's why conventions still remain popular. And I, I don't ever see them, them going away. I just, I see them bigger keep and bigger. getting, you know, well, bigger. Well, you see, basically yeah. here's the thing, either one, you have a Bible in your hands and, and you spend your life in the word of God and stuff, which I myself do most of the time. But other than that, say, for example, you have a person who is young today. They go out there and there's the problem between back then and now is there's a lot of stuff happening out there right now. There's a lot of crazy. We're living at a time right now, the, this last year which has historically never really been in our lifetime this crazy, right? That we know of. I'm talking about our lifetime, not prior to us. There were years even worse, but I'm saying in our lifetime, this is the first time we've seen this. So now what happens? You have youth out there that one have not been introduced to like comic books, to, you know, conventions. And there's so much that being off there all for video games that they, they go into the video game, they get consumed by it, and they start living the life of the video game, just like we did when, you know, comic books or, or you know, conventions. The point is there's so much in today's day and age that it's kind of hard to gravitate to one subject because you have so many subjects on the table. But he, a good example of this is you take, for example, Twitch. I think Twitch is owned by Amazon. It's a gaming channel, kind of like eBay, but, you know, people play games there. They get subscribers. I met a young kid who, I mean, I'm not going to say the name because I don't want to, I don't think, you know, I don't want to get him, whatever. But anyway, this kid last November started playing video games. He's a good game player. He's phenomenal. And he's got, which I, it, it blew, blew me away. He came out of school as an accountant. While coming out of school, he his parents told him, what do you want to do? And he's like, you know, the kid is 18, whatever. Or, or 20, I don't know. He just came out of college, whatever age he is. He's a very young kid. He built a computer, spent about $2,000 and started playing gaming. He's got 674,000 subscribers to his channel on Twitch. And they're paying him each $6.84 a month. So it's That's insane. That's crazy. I mean, it's just insane. to sit and play video games. But. Yeah. I mean, there's these kids are becoming millionaires off of, you know, playing video games on, online and just 
you know, enjoying themselves and staying, you know, in that, you know, kind of like an alternate reality. The alternate reality for me and you was a little different. When I, when I was born, video games were not around. When video games started coming in, they were very barbaric in its its creation. You know, you had like the ping pong. Uh, You had really kind of barbaric video games, right? Ancient monster dinosaurs of today's day and age. Now, what we had was the comic book, the ad, the monster magazine. And we couldn't go out there and reach mass crowds, with, but we could go out there and pick a niche of what you either wanted to collect monsters, you wanted to collect, and we became collectors. Some of us became hoarders, uh, not to mention names, by the way. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's <laughs> a, a fine line. line. It's I a was, fine line. I always tell everyone. Yeah, there's a fine line. Yeah, hoarders got stuff everywhere. My, you know, our stuff's a little yeah, bit more I'm organized. organized where, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a line. good example. I went to, you know, talking about conventions and like, you know, the popularity of conventions. Well, first thing, the conventions that I go to are, and the ones you probably attend to from Comic-Con and stuff, the first thing, every actor from the 60s and 70s that appeared on television usually make an appearance in person. So we as, as you know, uh, fans go to these things to buy, because it's really, you know, I consider conventions like a glorified flea market who have actors there so that you can go and get autographs from Well, there's hundreds of tables selling the stuff we grew up as a kid, okay? So you go there and you spend hundreds of dollars. In fact, I seen one guy in front of me that blew me away when he paid, I believe it was $2,400 cash right there in front of me for a collection of the first 10 or 15 issues of Famous Monsters of Filmland. And they were in mint condition. So he bought them there in front of me. And I'm like, okay, so when you go to a convention, money's not an option. If a poster is $500, you'll buy it. Oh, I've seen. Yeah. I've seen people spend just ridiculous amounts of money at at conventions. Just, I mean, sometimes just on one item. And I think, like you said, posters, man, you could spend thousands of dollars on posters. And I've seen people, you know, pull out wads of cash and drop three four five thousand dollars for a poster that they've been looking for for you know say 20 years or so and you know they found it at the convention they'll be hesitant to buy it if they'll see it online they'll be head but when you go to a convention you forget you'll say though this is only one time a year whatever so it's kind of like off limits you spend whatever amount no questions asked okay And, and you know and i've seen people you know, go to conventions and have a good time and not even spend, you know, hardly any money, you know, they're just there for, yeah, for the time, for the camaraderie to, you know, to talk to like-minded people, to, you know, watch the cosplay, to meet the the celebrities and just, you know, I I go every year to, to Monster Bash in June and I've been going there for, I don't know, every year for about the last, you know, 10 years or so. And, I've met people there that spend thousands of dollars on stuff. And I've met people that don't spend a dime that they're just there to, you know, meet friends that they only get to meet face to face one time a year at this convention. So it's, you get so many different people there and then you have everybody in between that, you know, they might just come for the day or a few hours to, you know, peruse the, the celebrity tables or the, 
or the uh, market tables or, or whatever, just looking to see, you know, what they could spend their 40, 50 bucks on. And so you, you get all kinds of different peoples and it's just, it's amazing to, to see. And then you get some people that just go to do the cosplay and then, and that's it, you know, which is cool too. Everyone right. has their own the little thing that they are like kind of like do. Comic-Con. Some people dress up of, you know, there was the one, he is, Here's one of my favorite people, and and one it's a she's a very good friend of mine. I mean, gosh, I've known her already. I think since the early '80s that I've been going to the same convention for over and over. And then between 2004 and the present, I went there uh, three times a year, the famous Chiller Theater Convention in New Jersey. And Sarah Karloff is always there, especially in the October show. So. I've become very, very good friends with her, and, and she's phenomenal. And one day I go up there, so of course I, I go behind the table sometimes, and I sit there with her for a few minutes, say hi to her, talk to her. And uh, this guy comes in dressed as Frankenstein. Man, best outfit makeup I've ever seen. In fact, I think I should put it up on the website uh, so that people could see because it, it's so it was such a great costume. And then um, the the funny thing when, you, when we were saying about so much stuff that, you know, you say we, we're not hoarders because we organize our stuff in a way. We don't just toss it around. But here's, here's an example. I knew that this lady, the aunt of the gentleman I mentioned to you that, um, that just, you know, started the Twitch channel. This young lady, not young. Is an older lady, but she's been working in Wall Street for years. And she actually owns an original autograph of Abraham Lincoln that she purchased many years ago for a few thousand dollars. And I wanted, because she loves, you know, Boris Karloff. And I said, you know what? I'm going to get her two photographs and bring it to her. I went, had the, not two, I got four, two for me and two for her. And I took her two and I took them to work. And to this day, I have no idea what happened to them. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I've searched. Yeah, that, that's how a lot of a lot of items go. You know, they, they <laughs> enter the collection and, you know, it's almost like a black hole, man. They my just son disappear. calls it the twilight. So he goes, anything that goes to my dad's uh, storage or whatever, never sees the light of day again. And. Oh, I'm, I'm telling you, man, I, I got stuff everywhere. Like, I, I try to separate it from, like, collectibles to, like, reference stuff, you know, that I use for magazine articles or books. And I, I still just, no matter how organized I get it, it's just, I'm, I'm still always searching for something. You, and you most can of never, the time can never I'm, I'm gonna find it. I'm going to give you one going to make you laugh. About a year ago, I have, now look at, look at what I'm saying. We're talking about a bookshelf with five sections, okay? Bookshelf is three feet wide, four feet tall. Okay, it's got one one shelf comic books, one shelf, and the comic books I put there are the ones that have ads that I want to make photocopies off or whatever. So they're not. I don't have it. You know, I don't have comic books there for a certain. Oh, this is part of the spot. No, no, no. I just have the comic books there that have the ads that attract me from when I was a kid. And if I need to make a post or a photocopy, I have them handy. So I know which ones have what ads. Okay. The other section are 
catalogs and stuff from companies that I used to deal with when I used to own my magic shop in 1989. Uh, the wholesalers, elusive concepts, um, you know, they used to make those life-size alien statues. Um, well, you know, different companies, Topstone Industries, uh, Jemmy Works, you know, those. So among that, that shelf, I found a year ago what I believe was two original Houdini signatures that I think I came across, I don't know, in a flea market back in, I, I don't know if they're real or, but they, I, I believe they were real because I, I actually think they were uh, done with a pencil. So I find them and I said to Dave, hey, Dave, I have two signatures here. I want you to validate for me. So the signatures, right? I put them back supposedly in the shelf. I don't know what made me not just say, hey, I'm going to put them on the side here. I put them back somewhere inside of a book or something and put it back in this five-level shelf, bookshelf. I came back the following week after David says, show them to me. And I started looking for them. I emptied every book. I could not find it. David drove oh, man. from Connecticut. Three hours. Comes to my house. We take apart the whole shelf again. Still not found them. I know I put them there. I saw them with my hands. Okay? This was only <laughs> about two or three months, four months ago. Maybe a little longer. Might have been, I don't know, maybe January or February. Okay. To this day, it went into a black hole. And I just. Yeah, I, I, unfortunately, and I'm still I know asking that myself, feeling, where are those two <laughs> autograph photographs of Boris Karloff? I know, I obviously didn't lose them. I had them in my whatever it was, in a magazine, whatever. Well, you know, one day, I was looking for, and I, th I think I mentioned that when I originally, not the robot plants I'm still looking for, that I ask anybody, whoever ordered the melting robot plants out there, to please come forward, man. It's been almost 40 years. I'm about to die soon, and I still haven't someone, seen what those plants look like. But anyway. Because someone has them they, in their collection, and they, like, you're, they're, they're sitting yeah, with your, the your autographs. <laughs> it's almost like the... Uh, it's almost like the you know the dryer taking one of your socks you know it goes to that that's well, place exactly, that you'll never exactly. find. Well, the, the thing <laughs> is that I ordered the Abracadabra Magic Shop uh, robot plants that had you know they, they drew like a Frankenstein so obviously that I gravitated to that ad more than the other ad from the Melton Company that showed a little guy inside this robot frame, but when you saw the Frankenstein monsters as build your own monster, it gave. You know, you could see one ad was better than the other. So I, I gravitated to that and I ordered those plans. When I received them, I thought the envelope was the coolest thing in the world. And I did really enjoy the plans. But here's what happened. They disappeared. Over 20 years went by. 30 years. Right before the book Mail Order Mysteries was put out by Kirk Demaris. About a year before the book. So I'm talking about 2011, 2012. I do not know. I was going through a book I had and lo and behold, 
out of the book falls the original envelope with the original monster robot plants in it, right? I was fascinated. I was blown away. In fact, if you have the book Mail Order Mysteries, you'll see a picture of it in there because I, I let Kirk photograph them. Um, but it's crazy when you find... In fact, I reproduced a hypnocoin from an original 1960s. I was doing... Todd made me go through some box I had, uh, I don't know, a few months, like a month or two ago. And that's where he found those glasses that I gave him that he, he said that he... He was salivating over the one in the um, Mail Order Mysteries book, the Aqua Specs. And I said, I know where they are. And I started, so I basically looked for them because he asked me for them. And I wanted to give it to him as a gift. And let me tell you something. I came across a HypnoCoin, the first HypnoCoin I had bought in the 1970s. And I said, hey. This hypnocoin is different from any hypnocoin I've ever seen. It looked different. I showed it to Todd. He saw it. He goes, wow, I've never seen that either. And now Todd is the guy who gave me an original American Circle Court hypnocoin from the 70s. So this one must have been an extra printing from some company. It was not the same very view, very view as V-E-R-I dash V-U-E, I think is the name of the company that made those coins back in the day. And they were famous for the, like during John F. Kennedy's, uh, uh, you know, when he was running for president, they used to put him in this buttons that would have Kennedy's face. And then when you looked at it sideways, the words vote for Kennedy would come out and for Nixon. That's the company that started the HypnoCoin before they made the actual spiral design in 3D. So I found this rare HypnoCoin. Well, guess what? I'm still looking for the damn thing. I, <laughs> it disappeared, man. Well, it's you know what? I'm gonna fault. I'm gonna put a I'm gonna put a put a call of action out there to to everybody in our audience. Go over to houseoftheunusual.com if you haven't already. Join the forum, and in the forum. Let us know if this stuff has happened to you and what you have lost, because I know that we can't be the only one. I know there's got to be other collectors out there who have lost items and cannot find them anymore. So if you are one of those people, head over to houseoftheunusual.com, get on the forum and you know start a discussion. Let us know what it is that you've lost and that you still haven't found or... How long did it take you to find the this items? Because I, I know there's got to be a ton of people out there, and I, I think it would be pretty interesting to see, you know, what you know some people might have, you know, misplaced or, or lost over the years, and you know, you know, what was the story behind them, you know, hopefully finding it. So I think that that would be pretty cool to see because I, I know over the years I've I've misplaced so many things that, that you know, and I try to be as organized as possible. Well. And I just, you know, just the other day I was looking for a, um, a monster book and I have, I have tons of bookshelves and I have, I have one shelf. It has two, there's, I think six shelves to it, but two shelves are all of my horror movie toy reference books. And then two shelves 
are my science fiction reference books. And then the bookshelf right next to it, there's another row of science fiction and horror kind of mixed in. So I was looking for this book that I bought years ago, about three years ago at Monster Bash. And it was it's a very rare book came out, I, I believe, 91. I can't remember the name of it. And it deals with kind of like obscure uh, horror movies from the 30s. And I knew it had a blue cover. And I searched for probably 30 minutes on all my shelves. I, I couldn't find it. And the next day I was looking for another book and it was on a completely different shelf. I just stumbled across it. I said, son of a gun. I said, how did this book get here? When I, I, I know in my mind that I, that I put all my, you know, my horror and sci-fi books and reference material in a certain place. And here it is on a totally different shelf with my comic book and comic strip reference books. I said, how the heck did it get it there? So I don't know if there's like a, uh, you know, in my basement, an alternate dimension going on. And there's these little creatures coming out and moving my books around and playing jokes on me, like some kind of like, uh, you know, alternate dimension frat where they have to, to go into our, our world to, uh, play pranks on us in well, order to, I'm to telling get you what, the, the only one I blame for this is Mr. Todd Matchin. Yeah. If it wasn't because of his glasses, <laughs> I would never have found my hypnocoin and I would still have it. But anyway, well, see, at least Todd did something there because he don't talk to us anymore. So, Todd, if you're listening, man, yeah, well, we're waiting he's for you to get back on. Yeah, he's not the master of sea monkeys, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, uh, he's got Yeah, that's fame. what I heard. He's got, he's a, got his, he's, his old movie title. coming out, a book. I mean, the guy's so famous right now that I heard. The, actually, I tried to contact him recently. And I actually, uh, I got to talk to the guy, but I had to go through two people and a secretary. And then I had to write him a letter, and finally I was able to speak with the new legendary Todd, you know? <laughs> but, yeah, he, he definitely Oh, he's is. probably listening but to this cracking is, up. You know what's so funny? I take the stupid hit <laughs> coin when I found it. I go like, wow, this is cool. I got to show David, man. And um, I put it inside a book. And I put it by, because, you know, it was kind of like curved a little, I guess, because it was packed away for years. And the the cardboard became a little curly. And I wanted to flan it out. So I put a bunch of comic books and stuff on top of it inside a book. I put it like in the center of a book. Well, a week later, <laughs> I forgot what book it was in. And and let me tell you something. I have so many books. Now, here's the funny thing. I have a closet in my house that's about, I don't know, four feet deep, uh, maybe four feet wide. It's kind of like a semi-walk-in closet. And my wife looks at me and says to me, look at you. Aren't you embarrassed to keep your clothes in there? You have no room for your own clothes. And, and it's kind of funny, though, because my clothes is so stacked in there that it doesn't fit and from the very bottom to the very top is packed with magazines comic books uh every collectible known to man and you know what i would move the clothes out of there and i have no room, no other more room for collectibles my wife took my wife barred <laughs> me from the other classes in the house you, you know i i've told my wife i said i have gone without eating for a day or two just because I, I, I had extra money that was supposed to go towards food and I spent it on, you know, comic books or collectibles. I, 
I remember a time in high school where, you know, I, I usually got enough money for two weeks worth of lunch for school. I, I can't remember how much the, the lunch cost or how much I exactly got, but it was enough to get a lunch every day, you know, five days a week for two weeks. And, you know, my parents gave me the money on a Monday and, you know, they're trying to teach me a lesson on how to, you know, manage money and this and that. I think that Tuesday I spent it all on comic books and I couldn't eat lunch for two weeks at school. But I, you know, I didn't care because I, (laughs) you know, had what I wanted. And, And even, even as an adult, I've gone, you know, without eating or not buying, you know, new clothes or something because I've spent the money on, you know, comic books or toys or other collectibles or books or whatnot. And, you know, it just doesn't well, matter. He, I know he, I'm not the, the only funniest thing about what you just said. And it, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. The amount of stuff I buy when I go to chiller, sometimes five, six, $700. I, I waste on things. That's when I get home, I go, darn, I got this thing already, man. And, you know, you buy duplicates because you don't know how much you have anymore. But. Oh, yeah, that's that's like worse, man, because you could have spent that money me, on getting way. something my, my new. <laughs> taking the closet away from me. But I had a closet in my house or have that this one is six foot deep by about six and a half feet wide. And I had in there three five drawer filing cabinets towards the back of it and each drawer was packed with comic books and monster magazines from famous monsters monster world eerie um you know like every and a lot of uh conan the barbarian so this thing was packed with old 1960s and 70s magazines right on top of it if you if you're talking about the oh I'm talking about those boxes you buy in staples that they're uh you know boxes where you put your files in file boxes they're about you know you know how big they are they're right. about I don't know 12 18 inches wide by like 12 inches something like that or long and I had and it's going to make you laugh 23 of those filled with toys and stuff Next to the thing, and I, I so what the way I packed it was up against the back of the wall. I put the three filing cabinets, and then on top of the filing cabinets, I start putting those file boxes up to the ceiling, and then on the side, I start you know packing them like that. And I kept packing and packing. Well, the 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 closet itself was so well packed that when you went to close the door, you had to kind of push the door in a little bit because it was right up to the door where I had, let's say, a feather that might have been from my x-ray glasses right here in this little corner. Anyway, that closet was there for 20 years, right? One day, the bathroom next to it, because I have two bathrooms in my apartment, uh, the water kind of overflew a little bit, and it slipped underneath the wall, and it kind of went to the bottom of my closet, but since everything was in, on two by fours, because I never put anything on the floor, it didn't wet anything, but it scared me. So I decided I was going to take out everything from the closet and, you know, go over and put it in a private storage. You would figure out ah, it's only six by six. I can, all I need is like a five by 10 storage. It fits all in there. <laughs> oh, boy. 
I rented a 10-foot U-Haul because I wanted to do it all in one trip. Not only did it fill the 10-foot U-Haul to such a way that I actually had to come back and reload it again, that I said, how is that even possible that a small closet like that can have so much stuff in it? It blew my mind. Yeah, it's amazing what you, how you, it's almost like sometimes playing Tetris, you know, how you learn to pack stuff and just so that you optimize that, that little bit of space so that you could always well, fit just a little bit here's more. Here's one example, like <laughs> Aurora Monsters. Now I have, I have an original Aurora, famous Monsters of Finland, Forgotten Prisoner of Castle Mayor. Now, yeah, I was going to say that's my oh, favorite. One of my favorites, it man. It just looks so phenomenal. I love that one. I've I've painted two of those and I just I, I want to do a third one. I just I love that model kit so so much. I don't have an original, but the reproductions that came out a few years back and I just those things are just awesome to to paint to put together paint and then you know display. Well, the they, original they I have come out is so in nice. a square box because I obviously I bought it in the early seventies when they no longer had the longer box. They had the square. And it had the glow in the dark parts. That's my original. But I have, ready for this, 11 of the reproductions. From the ones that said Aurora on them to the frightening lightning strikes again, whatever versions, all sealed. I have two of them professionally built up. One of them, my best friend gave me for Christmas one day. I think he paid like 150 cents for it. It was professionally spray painted, which I think to this day is the best forgotten prisoner I've ever seen. In fact, Joe, if I find on my phone the pictures of the one, because I, I have it somewhere, but I <laughs> I didn't want that open. So that's definitely in, in a sealed box. You know what? I, I have to tell you the story about the forgotten prisoner. Now, I... I... Years ago, I had I put together and painted one of them, and I used I always I like using the you know the small tester paints that come in the the small glass bottles, and you know I still like using the the gel glue and you know having the Exacto knife. You know I, I just there's something about the smell of it and just the the simplicity of it that that I just love. You know it, it's not professional by any means. It doesn't look professional, but it's it's just fun and it's it's very you know stress relieving. So the one I did years ago, I kind of, you know, put my own paints on there and I did it very crudely, you know, just with the, the tester model kits. Well, last year I took a model building art class and I took another Forgotten Prisoner there to try to do it, to see how it would come out a little bit more, you know, professionally done. And, you know, I was at the class, I think it was like five day class, you know, an hour each day. And um, the first day was kind of like going over different paint stuff, but we use like, you know, different acrylic paints and all this high tech stuff and all that. And, and, you know, the model came out beautiful, but at the end of the day, I, I will revert back to using the testers and there's, you know, even though it looks better when it's kind of like professional, semi-professional done, it's just more fun, you know, using those testers because that's what I used in the eighties and nineties when I, I did the model paints and I wasn't looking for a professional job. I just wanted to have fun and bring the monster to Definitely life. You know what um, I mean? So I, I, and I, and I put, 
I put that subject up on um, Universal Monsters a few, eh, maybe this past uh, spring or so, and a lot of people said the same thing that, you know, although it looks better, you know, when they're professionally done or with better paints, you know, a lot of people, you know, rather have the 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 small tester paints with the, you know, the model glue gel and you know an exacto knife of course, and just sit there and have fun it, with I, it. I, um, my well, my favorite kit as a kid that I wanted and I bought because uh, I had no idea what a model kit was uh, when I came from Cuba and I was about five, whatever. I had no idea what it was. So what sold me was the Bella Lugosi looking uh, box that Aurora had, the square box. Yeah. And, oh, oh, I love that. I, that I didn't know what was oh, in the man. box. I just wanted it really bad and it was a dollar fifty. I just want I just want to I just want the box even if it's empty. I just want an original I, I box. Actually, <laughs> I mean I've the model would be cool. Right now in my possession I still have the original box that I bought as a kid for a dollar fifty with the model in it. Uh, you know, the, the I seen somebody what was it last year at Monster Bash selling one for oh man it was the glow in the dark mm-hmm. version from the the 70s 72 or 73 and they wanted i don't know i think it was like 450 or something like that and i you know i, I said i'm gonna wait to see if it's here the last day you know i'll make them an offer usually last day on shows you could get good deals and it was when gone. i checked back <laughs> later right when the when the dealer room was closing on the first day it was gone you know, you- son of a gun man I mean, I, I didn't have the, if I had, probably if I had the money to spend on it, I, I would have, but you know, I, I rolled the dice and took the chance of it still being there the last day. And I, that happened you know, to me lost with, out, um, so. I forgot what poster was, but there was some monster poster and the monster poster was, the guy was asking like $95 for it. It was an original. And I tried to finish man. When I turned around, <laughs> I went back and said, the guy sold it. I was like, what? You know what, I, I snatched, speaking of Dracula, I snatched that, and usually I, I don't buy m- much stuff the first day. I like to wait, you know, the last day to find the deals, but about two years ago at, at Monster Bash, I was, right when the dealer room opened, I walked in, and the first table that I went to, this guy in a frame had a um, a newspaper, I think it was from Cleveland, of with Bella Legacy right on it, and it was... It came out two days after the premiere of Dracula in 1931. So I, I can't remember the exact date on it, but it was two days after the premiere. And I, I snatched it up quick because I said, man, that is not going to gonna be lasting. And, you know, I carried that around for, you know, after I purchased it, I carried it around for a little bit before taking it to my room. And everybody that's seen it was just like gawking over it. I said, yeah, that, that thing would have been definitely of gone. Of course. Well, let me tell you something. The... Um... I do have in my possession two empty boxes of Dracula and one in mint condition of the Dracula model kit. But even though that was my friend, and I paid a dollar fifty for mine, just to let you know, Joe. <laughs> uh, but that's crazy. The oh. Forgotten Prisoner. I really didn't care much. The Frankenstein. I wanted it. I got it. But the one that really, really called my attention as an adult was the Forgotten Prisoner because I just love the artwork, the way he's looking up in the sky with his mouth open. It's just phenomenal. Yeah, I, I love it. Um, 
Well, well, hey Eddie, we got about five minutes left here, so let's get some uh, let's get some closing remarks and some uh, some close closing food for Perfect. thought. Well, again, I would love, as like you said before, for people that are tuning in to us, if you guys you know can help us out, it'd be great. We would appreciate that if you guys can try to you know give us a couple of stars in uh, iTunes. It'll be phenomenal. And keep listening to us. We already are on our 18th week. And we started and our audience is growing pretty good. Uh, I also like to let people know that I, I've been putting out YouTube videos each and every week. But I've stopped for the last two weeks because I've been redoing my little studio here so that I can make really nice professional videos and review original novelties from the 70s from my collection. Uh, having said that, please come over to houseoftheunusual.com. You will find the link there to everything I'm talking about from the podcast. You can also find links to uh, Gu- uh, Gulliver's Babel, which is Gullible's Babel, which is Todd's uh, page, and Crypt of Classic, which is Joe's page. You can find that all at houseoftheunusual.com. Uh, so go ahead, Joe. Yeah. And and definitely, you know, check out, you know, Eddie on um on eBay. What's House your what's your unusual. eBay store's just name? Okay, go and you know, go check that out because if you, you're interested in the stuff that we're talking about, you know, Eddie has a ton of that stuff there. There's there's some of it on uh you can find it directly on the uh the webpage. You know, check out the webpage because it's you know there's a lot of good information there, and especially in the in the YouTube videos where he does the unboxings and all that, you get to see a lot of these items that we're talking about. That if you're not familiar with, or even if you are familiar with, you know you you get to see what what they actually look like. And I'm telling you, it's going to bring back a lot of uh, a lot of nostalgic memories, you know, back to you. So you know, be forewarned with that, but. You know, yeah, I, I can't believe we're already in our 18th week for this podcast. And if any, everyone out there is listening and enjoying it, you know, go over to, you know, Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review and, you know, write us a little review saying how much you like us. And on houseoftheunusual.com on the on the forum page, there's a section there that if there's ideas that you guys want to hear or if you want to be a guest, you know, put it on there and we'll get a hold of you and we'll we'll take your ideas to heart and you know, gives us something to to talk about because we have a whole, you know, plethora of of topics that we enjoy. So if there's something that you want to hear out there that we haven't covered yet, you know, definitely put and, the ideas and, on there. And one so, thing I just want to say, too, uh, that's uh, all I even got. though that Joe mentioned, you mentioned the eBay store that has a lot of items on. I'm working on a, on a way to migrate all the items over to the website. Now, even though the items will still be available on eBay, you would be able to get a discount by purchasing it directly from a website because there's no eBay fees there. So um, we do want to popularize the website a lot more than what eBay would be because it would be great to just have one marketing venue instead of so many. Um, exactly. And everybody so, loves the discount, so head over there and you know, get, get away from the, all those eBay fees and everything and exactly. go directly to the source. So right. with that being said, yeah, with that being said, you know, thanks everybody for, for stopping in and check out all of our, our past podcasts and every Wednesday, our new podcasts, you know, coming Until out, next so time. make sure to check it out. So 
Eddie, thanks for being on. Yep.